a true revolutionary is powered by a, a sense of love, right? And right, I, exactly. I came to this career not because I was looking for to be in teaching or education. I came to it because I because they called me, you know, like mm -hmm. and, and wanting to care about my city and my community and young people who may have struggled with things I struggled with or struggled like I struggled. My name is Ashanti and welcome to the Taking Off the Mask podcast, a space where men get real. Men of all ages and backgrounds come to this space to own and discuss how they present themselves to the world. In our work, the front of the mask are the things that we gladly let the world see. And the back of the mask are qualities and characteristics that we don't usually let people see. Ask yourself right now, what would go my mask? What are some things that I'm talking about a lot? And what are some things that I probably should be, but I'm not? Sharing his mask today is Tyrone Dangerfield. Really beautifully in his bio, he writes, I'm a father first. He's a director, he's a creator, he's a brother, he's a son, but he is really excited in his role as a father. So one thing that he talked about in this conversation about his absolute joy of being a father his oldest son is 27 and his youngest son is five. But what he's learned is that he learned some things raising his older son that he is making up for as he raises his second son. He's originally from Oakland, California. Now he does his work in Atlanta, Georgia. And I really hope you enjoy this conversation. It's really great to have men in these conversations who are willing to express the part of ourselves that we don't get to talk about much. I hope that you find people in your life that you can take off the mask with. If you haven't yet made a mask, you can do that at millionmasks.org anonymously. But today you're going to hear Tab Dangerfield and myself share our mask publicly. Thank you for being a part of the Taking Off the Mask podcast. We'll see you soon. Welcome Tyrone Dangerfield to the Taking Off the Mask podcast. So glad to have you. Uh, thank you for having me. The first way we do this is the guest gets to like introduce themselves and so, you know, if you just tell folks what you want them to know about you, what information that you think is important as we get ready to jump into this conversation about these masks, uh, we look forward to hearing about you and learning something about you today. Uh, my name is uh, Tyrone Dangerfield, uh, Oakland, California native. I am the managing partner of uh, the Oakland Film Company. We're not right now based out of Atlanta, Georgia. A film called The Broken Rose won 12 awards in the film festival circuit. And I also have a, a, a new series that we, I, I was a showrunner on. I'm just a boy from East Oakland who is following his dreams, you know? <laughs> I am, uh, I'm also from Oakland, so glad to have another fellow Oaklander on the show. And who knows, what, what, what high school did you go to? Well, I went to Tech, and then okay. I went to uh, uh, Street Academy at the time. Yeah. It was called, I think they slightly changed the name now. It was, yeah. it was Grant High School. Yeah. Uh, that's where I went, so yeah. And then I, uh, I dropped out because I got into some trouble. Hey, well, maybe maybe we already jump into the mask already. Maybe that's how we do it. Right? <laughs> that's, the, that's how it starts, right? It's like <laughs> the real deal, the real story is the behind the scenes, right? And so, right on. Well, I mean, thank you for sharing that. Thank you for sharing that, and um, and I look forward to you know we have a lot of right here in Oakland. We are trying to like connect to as many connections and resources as possible. You know, we're definitely with young people, with teachers, mm -hmm. educators, and people from Oakland who have a heart for Oakland, you know, have a heart for kids in our communities, right? And all, all over. Exactly. You know? 
how about we do this um as the guest you get to decide who goes first so either you want to do the mask first or you want me to do it first and then we'll just share we'll start with the front and then we'll go to the back but you get to decide who goes first you, you go first so I, got, so I can see here you know really you know things say how it goes you know? <laughs> okay all right well i you know i've been um doing my best to like i was gonna make it yesterday and i was like well what if tomorrow something happens and i'm just like so i'm in the in the present moment of how this mask is showing up it's showing up in lots of ways so i'm gonna show you uh what it looks like right now and so the front of the mask i'll show you this uh, this is the mask i drew today and uh, the words i wrote today are serious hardworking, funny and caring and i think um, you know sometimes I'm, these are similar words that i've used before but i think Right now, I added caring. You see, I usually only do three. I added caring at the end because sometimes I leave that one out, even though I think all that I do is all rooted in this idea of caring for my community, caring for younger me, like mm -hmm. who sometimes didn't feel like was cared for. And so, mm -hmm. but oftentimes when serious and hardworking comes out, it doesn't look like it's caring, e even though the mm -hmm. root of it is, right? Even though the root of like being serious is because this is important to me. Hard working so hard, like it's because it's important to me. And I think funny when it when it lands at the back of serious and hard working it almost seems sometimes sarcastic or as a secondary, right? Like I love to laugh, mm -hmm. but when it's mm -hmm. time to get, when it's time to get to business, like I'm not really smiling a lot, you know. Mm -hmm. Like, mm -hmm. and it may be yeah. hard for people to feel the caring, even though I know that that all the sacrifices i think i've made have been at the root like che Guevara said like a true revolutionary is powered by a, a sense of love right and right, I, exactly. I came to this career not because i was looking for to be in teaching or education i came to it because i because it called me you know like mm -hmm. and, and wanting to care about my city and my community and young people who may have struggled with things i struggled with or struggled like i struggled and I never used love before on the front, actually. It's interesting, right? Because I think that, hmm, that's interesting. Well, I've, been, I've never written love on the front. That's something that I show, even though I think through the hard work and through the seriousness, I'm showing love to my community. And I think love looks different, mm -hmm. you know? It looks mm -hmm. different in different places. So I, I think I'm hoping people see that, that, they can't, that, that, that there's a root in that, but mm -hmm. I actually have never written that. Car caring is actually even a new one. I think in the last year, I, one of our guests wrote caring, and I'm like, oh, you know what? I'm caring, aren't I? Right? Although maybe <laughs> maybe it just gets hidden behind a lot of times because I'm I'm always serious, you know. And uh, yeah, yeah, that's the that's the front, the front of my mask today. Well, I would yeah. say uh, with my mask, uh, it would be uh, focused, happy, and fun. That's how I like to I show it. That's that's kind of how I feel. Like I feel kind of like I I have fun. I also feel like I smile. I smile. Show the smile. That's what I show everyone, mm. and I'm focused. Uh, my my eyes are really focused. I always uh, try to say that with being focused. That's why I always let people people always can see that about me. Because you know, especially coming from, um, from Oakland, I always tell people we're like the uh, very prideful in Oakland, right? Mm. And and then, but we also love to show. We've always been like the, showing people how we are having fun while we're focused on what we're doing. And so that's how I always. Show everywhere I go, I like that smile. My, they see my eyes, and then they see that like it's a fun, happy. That feels like I'm ha happy and focused on being 
happy, I guess, you know, and I kind of feel that now. And I feel, I feel that now uh, on the outside, you know, right on. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you for that. And, uh, you know, I think even when you talked about like the pride, like from Oakland, right? Mm-hmm. Like you, you, since you're not living here right now, how do you think does that show up? You know, how does that, do people notice in certain characteristics that you have that, that, I mean, I think there's, every city has their own like unique style, right? But yeah, dealing with different people, traveling this country, I mean, you know, domestically, I have to travel a lot. So, and you get to go to these different places. Atlanta is one in unique. People can also automatically tell them from, they know them from California <laughs> and they almost know them from Oakland because he's like, you know, none but Oakland people down here, California people down here. So, but they, there's something about, I don't know what it is, but they say something the way we carry ourselves is a certain way that they can tell. It's kind of it's kind of laid back, but we're about doing things. And they mm-hmm. always talk about our, how we speak to them and how we make bring their guards down. So that's something I tell people can always say, they, are you from the, I've had it a few times. And it's usually for people that have roots mm-hmm. uh, in the Bay Area. So, so that's some form, Oakland or San Francisco or you know, Vallejo or wherever they're from. Yeah, yeah. It's mostly mostly people you'll get from the Bay Area. It's mostly it's a lot of Oakland people. A lot of yeah. Oakland people. We're everywhere, you know. <laughs> and you yeah. know it's like a like some little small gang of people that, you know <laughs> <laughs> I mean I imagine that, you know, as the Bay Area continues to get more expensive and harder to live, you know, I think people are also sadly feeling displaced, right? Feeling like, mm-hmm. oh, I better go somewhere else where I can at least maybe ho- have a home or or at least mm-hmm. not have all of my money go into the home, right? So then I'm I can exactly. have at least a life outside of the house, right? Otherwise, I bought the house now I got to stay in it because I ain't got no nothing else to go nowhere else, you know. And I think that yes. people are people are experiencing that here, right? And I think um, the yeah. ben- the benefits of the Silicon Valley and the tech boom also created the the other side of it, right? The overpriced um, real estate, the people who can't live in their the homes, mm-hmm. or people who have made you know, decisions that were not very thoughtful in the moment, you know, their eyes got shiny and they saw jewels and gyms and cars yes. and they were like, oh, yeah, yeah, you know, grandma won't care. She, she, she you know, she mm-hmm. kept this house for us so we can do what we want. And then after three months, you realize you can't get nothing else anywhere else like that, that right? Yeah. You know, right. and just knowing that that's just the, you know, sad, sad state of you know, situations we experience, you know? It's, it's, a, it's very sad. And then you start seeing the different, um, that your dollar just goes further in, in other parts of the country. Yeah. That's a sad thing. But then on the flip side, the other day I was thinking, I said, am I a gentrifier now? Since I am coming from, you know, I had to think about this because I'm going to a place where it's cheaper. I'm enjoying I'm like, wow, this is a great, I was like, this is how I felt. This must be how I felt in the Bay Area. <laughs> 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 me, we're coming to my friends. He's getting a house bill. Like we would never be able to get a house bill in the California. Mm. The prices that like, he's getting his house bill. He's getting, like his five bedroom home built for less than half a million dollars. You can't even buy a one bedroom home in the Bay Area for wow. that. You know, so wow. and you're getting, you know, it's like so it's like four car garage and all this stuff. People are getting bills. Like wow, we're doing this with the money that we made in California. But we're coming to these other, this other, and now these. People who are the locals here, because I always talk about that. Atlanta people can't drive and this and that. And they're like, it's all you outsiders. I said, wow. I, had to, I said, wow, look at who am I? You know, right? Mm. So 
Yeah. You know, like, I just, you know, to think about that, how the outsiders feel about people coming into their place. And I was like, now I can see it on the, now, you know how it is. Am, have I become the thing that I despised, right? <laughs> wow. I mean, what a powerful thought, right? A powerful concept of like, but I think, I wonder, yeah, yeah. I want, you know, when you think about <laughs> the, the term gentrification, right? Does the, do the people who are doing it know they're doing it, right? Like, do right. they know, like, I don't know. I don't have an answer for this. I'm not, this is not a, this is not a, <laughs> you know, a, a, a the economist kind of like, this is more right, like right. a conversation. Like, do, a, do they know? But, but I mentioned this difference between when you go and buy somebody's house off this chopping block and then, yeah. Say, hey, you got to move out. It's different when you're building your own. You say, hey, we bought exactly. some land. Like, I wonder right. if, if that's, you know, kind of like, you know, when families began to move out west and they were like, we found some place, we found a spot, right? And then, you know, Oakland used to have all these, you know, Victorians in the West Oakland. And, yes. and you mm-hmm. go down there now and you're like, what the heck is all this Art Deco exactly. architecture <laughs> digest? What is this? What is this thing that they, they just built right here? It's like, in between two Victorians, it's like some kind of like you almost feel like you're like right. You've like left two different centuries, you know. But, that's what's happening in Atlanta right now. Is um, there's modern homes being built in these neighborhoods with one single story homes, one nice house on the whole block, this little cul-de-sac, and you have all these homes that are decrepit and falling apart. Mm. So then it's like I was thinking about. So I get it now. You know, I look at it. I'm like, wow, mm. capitalism. Wow, what has it done to everyone? Yeah. So, I, mean, I didn't even thought. I didn't think about it. It's like, no, we're not. We're going buying up property because it's cheap. People are going out and they're flipping it, doing the same thing they were doing to the Bay Area. So, I'm looking mm. at it from a different perspective, and I have to, I have to be more accountable. So I'm just like, wow. Now, now, so now I'm, I'm doing some things to try to help Atlanta as well. And now, now I'm wondering, are people doing? It's like I'm gonna help Atlanta do. It. I mean, I, I, I base my business. We relocated and formed it uh, you know it's a georgia-based company now still keeping our oakland name because like i said oakland people are still prideful yeah. i want to take the oakland everywhere we go yeah and then we're gonna try to join a black entertainment economic council to try to help get some funding for uh people of color uh yeah. we can get we can get some a bigger slice of the pie so it's like we can and this is going to benefit people from georgia so try to do something to balance it out because i there's a a lot of benefits coming from a high, one of the most expensive places to live country and coming to a place where now it's starting to rise, but it's yeah. still nothing compared to the barrier. So the gas prices still half the price. You know, so. I was in Jackson, <laughs> Mississippi last week doing some workshops and I literally had to take a picture of the gas station. I was like, that is not, <laughs> that is not real. That is not right. No one's going to believe that I saw this. I don't remember what it was. I think my brain was like in denial that I really saw it. So I, Took the picture and I'm like, I wiped it out. But it was like, right. there's no, there's no way I've seen that number in the last five, seven years. I don't know what number it was. I just remember being shocked. I'm like, bit bummed mm-hmm. in my camera. But yeah, a whole another world, right? A whole another, yeah. another world. And and I think in that same situation, I think, and I'll say this before I jump into the back of the mask. I was speaking to some youth there, right? I was speaking to youth and huh. like five schools. And because I had seen what I saw in the city, what I had seen, you know, like, like those homes, you said, they're just kind of like worn down and like, like literally the homes that are like in, broken in half, literally, like there's only half of the house there. Right. You almost just like, I mean, I grew up in Oakland, but I didn't grow up with that. I grew up with a lot of, a lot of stuff, a lot of drugs and violence and a lot of crack epidemic and things, but I didn't see that kind of stuff, you know, growing up. Right. And how, 
I mean, I think what I did see was sometimes a bunch of broken down apartments, but it was, they were kind of intact, right? But I think it was a different kind of thing. And I think when I go to these places, I want to inspire hope in the young people, but also I want to like not paint a picture that is so far from what they have seen except what they've seen mm -hmm. in newspaper and magazines or in their phones, but also that, yeah, I want to oversimplify it, right? I want to oversimplify the struggle that it may take to get through what you're going through, right? To get through what you have seen, to get through the day-to-day -day challenges that maybe face you or your family or your community. And I think it was an interesting moment for me to say, you know, when I tell, I grew up poor in Oakland, right? Some of the communities I drove through, I was driven through when I was going to these schools, I was like, I didn't grow up in a community like this, right? And mm -hmm. am I oversimplifying what poor felt like to me or what I saw? And I think it was a it was like a wake up call to really just be more empathetic and be more not just be like work hard and it'll be better, right? Like it would be like mm -hmm. the tough times are tough times for a reason. They're called tough times, right? They're they're the struggles we we deal with, you know. And right. so, uh, well, I, I, man, I think we could keep going, but I want to I want to jump into the back. <laughs> it's the back of the mask, yeah, you know? yeah. The, yeah, and the back mm -hmm. of the mask. You know, for those out there who listen, you know, the front of the mask are things we gladly let people see. And now the back mm -hmm. of the mask are things that we don't usually, we don't usually talk about or we don't let people see. And mm -hmm. so I have a new word on here that I have not written before, but I'm going to start with the first three. First three are, I say it's free. And you know, I tried to write, I don't know, huh, that's interesting. Free. <laughs> I wrote free. <laughs> I was actually write, trying to write fear. fear. Oh. Fear, stress, worry, free. Interesting. And maybe because, I, I don't know, interesting. Maybe subconsciously I wrote free that I don't often feel like sometimes I have uh, broken free from all of these chains that I feel like have held me back. But the last one I wrote, which is the new word, and I'm going to come, I'm going to think about that free, that free one for where I wrote, I'm awesome. Mm -hmm. I was a part of this uh, program, this coaching program, and uh, one of the, the leaders uh, who was on the podcast named DDA. He talked about this idea of our dopeness, right? Like to be proud of your dopeness or your or your unique your uniqueness. And I think I grew up in a place in a city, as you know, but you couldn't brag on yourself. I mean, I, there was I mean, in my community where I grew up, you know, in yeah. Yeah. East Oakland, it was like, who you think you are? You think you're special? You think you're better than us? You think you like right. almost like right. you didn't have permission to ever say positive things about yourself, right? Right, right, right. Plenty of people will talk down to you or talk bad about you, your shoes, your clothes, your whatever. But there was not a lot of people like giving positive affirmations in the in the, in mm -hmm. the community. And so to talk good mm -hmm. about yourself would almost almost be like, you call me a liar. I just told you that you're mm -hmm. nothing. And now you're going to tell me right. you're something. And it's almost like you, it's almost like a fight always waiting to happen to be anything where you, where you, where you say, I'm awesome. Like, I'm amazing. I'm a good person. I'm a nice person. I'm kind. I'm caring. I'm, I'm mm -hmm. loving. I'm, mm -hmm. I don't, I'm not trying to hurt nobody. I'm not trying to take from anybody. I want to, and I think mm -hmm. I've never written this word on the back, but I think it also is, it goes to this idea of like, why do I have a hard time giving myself that kind of credit? Why is that not my default? My default is not, I think I'm, I think I feel like awkward when people, when I hear people who speak boldly about their brilliance mm -hmm. because I, I didn't usually, I didn't feel permission. I didn't feel I had permission to do it growing up. Mm -hmm. And right. so uh, to write it was actually kind of hard, but it's something that I'm like, I have, a, I think I have some talents that I've been maybe holding back or I've been afraid to like fully show because I'm like, who do you think you are? Shanti? I, I self judge myself before I give anybody else permission to. And I'm, I'm kind of tired of that. I'm, I'm trying, really trying yeah. to break free. I'm really literally trying to break free from all those old messages that don't serve me anymore, but they still feel very powerfully um, holding, you know? So that's part of my journey today. And that's, that's the back of my mask. Yeah, I mean, I hear you on that because it can remind me of um, 
I don't like to, I don't, on my back of my hand, if you see tears, I don't allow people to see me, you know, worry, crying, and also don't allow them to see um, what I'm really doing. Like, I don't know if it's a sneaky thing, like if I'm doing something, I really like to keep a secret. So I don't let them see my true, like if I, if I, if I feel really confident about something, it's like a poker. It's definitely a poker face all the time. I'm typically reverse, like, because when you said something earlier, when you were talking about how you don't want to, um, whatever I'm, whatever, like, what, I, it's just totally, totally flipped. I don't know, like, if I'm happy, I'm very happy. I may actually really be sad. And I really, I know how to mask it very well. I know how to get through and just, you know, shrug through the day. And that's really, I don't allow this. It's, it's really straight poker face. You're not going to see somehow through life. I don't know. I'm trying to figure out when. I learned how to, to just, I think it may have happened as far as a teenager, but how to just detach mm. and get to get through things. There's a lot of things you have to get through. And I know that. So they will never know. And, and, I, and I, I've seen a lot of male suicides, suicides in the past years. And people are saying they're saying they didn't even know this person. I I ran into some people and it's like, I did not know this person was hurting so bad. They were, we had a great time, laughed, drunk. And a week later, they were gone. And that's, I can see that. I understand, you know, whether or not I'm not, I'm not at that point, but I can understand the mindset because you're so, and no one will know. And they think, oh yeah, you're doing great. And I think as a creator, I can create some great things during those times as well. So, and I think that's actually what helps me get through a lot of things is I've been blessed with the talent to be able to write and create and be in a, in a and to get paid from it and mm. to live in a, creative world and so all my stress i can just put it on on screen i can put it on paper not everybody has that outlet not everybody has that gift but i do so i recognized that a long time ago and it's like wow they say wow you got some great stuff yeah it's because i've done a lot of pain inside I've, I've seen a lot of things you know so i don't allow people to see very rare they'll see the tears or you know it's just yeah, toughen up, and I definitely, you know, I have kids, and then my, my youngest son, I don't want ever want him, so, so he will, you know, I can be in a lot of pain. He will not see those tears come in, and I don't know whether it's healthy or not. That's how I've been able to get through things. Mm. You know, cry by yourself. Yeah, thank so, you for thank you for mentioning that. What's your son's name? Uh, Ronald. My youngest Ronald. son is Ronald. I have a, I have an old son, a young son. I okay. Young. Okay. <laughs> my oldest son is twenty seven. He'll be 28 and my other son, my youngest son, he just turned five a couple days ago. Congratulations. Congratulations. <laughs> like just knowing that the difference between what you say, like what you're trying to do for him, like you you keep the emotions put away from him. And like did that were you were you like that also with your oldest? I was much different. I'm much more patient. I think the, the blessing is being able to, to understand and recognize my oldest son. Actually, I try to, you know, just always your man's supposed to do this and I, it's all this blubber you know it's like i wish i had be where i'm at now with my oldest son but you know i am who i am and we yeah. he still we still love each other it's just the fact that i didn't know anything about i was a teenage father i didn't know anything about being a man my father died before, before you know when i was young so i didn't know any i didn't know any other way so i thought everything that I, you see you learn and you're like this how it is i would we didn't communicate as much he has a much more better communication style with his mother than me and I know that's because they, t they have a lot of conversations I wasn't willing to have. I'm like, I'm not going to talk about that. This is, you know, we're men. We need to do this, right? My youngest son, I spend much, I'm much, much more patient. 
outlet. He's only five, but he kids are very, very in tune with your feelings. They can tell you when something's wrong. Uh, he and also he tells me you're very in tune with their feelings. So I'm encouraging him to be, you know, to speak about how you feel. Let's talk about it. Let's talk about things. Just I don't want him to have to grow up with some of the stuff that I, I, I did. You know, I don't want him to have to grow up with not being able to have to repress your own feelings. Let's talk about it. Oh man, I got I got goosebumps here. <laughs> thank thank you, thank you for doing that. Right, thank you for coming to the realization of like, because I think you know I, I've seen plenty of fathers who don't who don't come to the realization. And they still operate on that. Suck it up. I don't want to hear about it, man. Right. All yeah. the things that they probably may have been taught or that they picked up along the way. Right. And I think mm-hmm. it has a way of passing itself down. Right. Sometimes mm-hmm, it passes mm-hmm. down through the genetic things and sometimes it passes down through the the nurturing things. Right. Like, mm-hmm, oh, mm-hmm. OK, we can't we can't talk about that kind of stuff. OK, so I keep it to myself. OK, but what about what if I really got to talk about it? Well, I don't talk about it. So I numb it. I numb it and I put it. And then when I start numbing it, then what happens? Well. Hopefully I can <laughs> hopefully I can come back if I don't go all the way to the bottom, right? And I think mm-hmm. so many of our young people definitely what we see in Oakland, you know, so it's easy access to marijuana and people are eating mm-hmm. it and gum and eating gummies and cookies yeah. before school. Right, right, like, right. Hey, are you are you even awake? Are you even here? You, right. You're not even here right now. Where are you? And you're just like and you're numbing. You're, that's you're all they're, looking to, they're looking for escape. Yeah. And I imagine how often people look for the escape and then they have cre- they, they they've escaped their life so much that they created a life they don't even recognize, and then they're like, "What? How did I end up here?" Right? Because mm-hmm. they they were not present. You know, they were in a different mindset, bodies. You know, and I think that that's what I see, and I see a lot of young people. I had a young man who I was just recently talking with, um, having a lot of challenges with his mom. His mom and dad are not together, but he feels this disconnect from mom, like that, you know, that she doesn't really love him. You know, and I think mm-hmm. this this feeling of that creates this pressure on him to be like, like I'm a good kid. Like, why why don't I get the love that I that I should get? And I, mm-hmm. how do you? And I don't have a way. I don't answer for that, right? I'm just like, well, brother, I just want you to know that I'm here for you. I wish I wish it was better for you too. I wish you could have it the way you wanted it, but I just want you to know that until until something gets better on that end, I want you just to know that you deserve it. You deserve, mm-hmm. right? And I think how often, how many young men out there who don't have anybody who ever comes along that to, to help them when they're in this stuck mode, you know? Yeah, there's a lot of them. There's a lot of times they don't. And then I also know is as the elders or the older person, they have that patience because kids are going to come around when they come around. You just got to stand there and just not throw it in their face that they weren't ready to speak at the time you wanted to speak. I think that happens a lot with people. Like, they're going to come around at some point they will in most cases, you know, if you keep on just, just be there and be there the best way you can. Don't try to force yourself on it. It's like, and that's, that's what happens with communication with people. It's like, sometimes you just got to allow these people to communicate. And that's what I've learned. I, I mentor a lot of younger, like I have a writing team, they're all younger. And one of them really, uh, I have one of my, 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 um, my, my writers, I, we were on set, we were on the film set, and I said, I, I, I like, I kind of shut her down. I had, she, she really brought me back. She goes, every time I'm trying to talk to you, you tell me this to eat it up right now. And I had to, I said, let me scale it back. I have to remember. And I try to take this as a, you know, as a leader, you have to understand. So I said, okay, wait, let's go ahead and talk. And I, I forgot. I was like, it was, my, it was on me. And I, I'm learning this as, and I'm continuing to evolve. 
you know, and it's the same thing. I, like, I forget. I have to speak to him like a child and, and, and speak like a, a, as a human. It's like just quit shutting people down because she was she needed me at that time. So then I had, and then I, and then, but then she she brought me back, and that's why I love these. I love these views because they teach me. They teach me more about myself. Yeah. Because that's why I love. I said like, these kids are really into what they're feeling. And I'm talking about is a. I call kids twenty in their twenties. You know, to me. Yeah. So and uh, and they're really in tune. They know what's going on with them. Yeah. Like, people, we have to adjust our our ears to listen. We have to listen. If yeah. we open up and listen, we can see. It's like wow, they they have so many so much to teach us. Even though we're teaching them, yeah, you know, like my, yeah. my grandfather always said, he said these kids are the real teachers because they're always testing you, right? Yeah, that's, right. <laughs> that's right. Yes, always, always. <laughs> I, I like that statement. I got to write that down. That they are the real <laughs> teachers because they all that's powerful. Always, and really, and, it, and it's really the it's, it's the truth because they're testing their limits. They're testing to see who's going to be there for them. They're, yeah. they're always we're, we're always we're always there to serve them so and that's what i learned I, you know like my my son my oldest son our communication has gotten better over the past five years you know he yeah. so the thing about it was he lived with his mom then he, i got custody of him when he yeah. was uh eight he lived with me and i and like I, said, I didn't know anything i was was young you know and so then we had a different you know so he was always there for this he wanted to talk and i wasn't available to talk speak and so like I just went, I was there, but not there. Mm, if that makes sense, right? Yeah. I had my own things I was dealing with. I was still was my mind wasn't right. It was like my I wasn't like emotionally there. I didn't yeah. have the outlets that I needed, and so I kept a lot of stuff inside. So I was life was eating me inside, and so. But then over the years, we you know you get to understand. I had my own thing against my father, and then even now, it's like cause my father. He was a he he smoked crack. And he was, um, he died when I was 14, but I had a lot of unresolved things. And I always felt that he was, but as I grow older and understand addiction, I understand I have a much more sympathy and empathy for the fact that an addict can't control themselves. So I, it, that's, it's me growing older. So then I start understanding, forgiving him, forgiving my father for things that, you know, for things that I couldn't, he couldn't control. And then understanding myself and understanding how that impacted me and understanding I had to be a better father, even though my son was like we, like especially in the black community, it's like you're 18, you got to be a man now, mm. for a man. And understanding, yeah, my son was 18, he wasn't ready to be a man. He's still not ready to be a man, you know. <laughs> <laughs> so I still gotta be. There's a different, it's a different type of parenting, you know, yeah. little, you know. Understanding that, and then understand I'm going doing it again with the young one, yeah. And they both love me, so I just like, how am I going to be mentally there, not just physically there? Uh, mentally there and be mentally in tune with these young young black males who need they need that guidance right. there's enough enough pain in the world in order yeah. you know so why why can i provide that safe space for them to, to communicate that's right and even even more so like there's so many other places where they are forced to have to mask up like exactly. right exactly if you got a right. mask up out in the world you got a mask up at school you got a mask up on the bus you got a mask up on the sports field and you come home and you got to mask up again it's like well where do i ever get to just be like you know where do i ever just get to be be me and mm-hmm, if, mm-hmm. If, if that doesn't happen that's what we see in our young people today you know they talk about these pandemics and i think there's a pandemic of dopamine addiction from young people right these these devices yeah. i love my phone yeah and yeah. i tell young people i'm gonna talk bad about it but i love it too but if you're not careful and you use that as your validation of your worth and your 
and what and you think that everything you see in there everybody else is perfect and you're the only one messed up because everyone just got better masks everyone just got mm -hmm. shinier brighter more expensive masks but it's all mm -hmm. what what they're happening behind the scenes is behind the scenes too right we we just right right, right right and that's what we try to have these conversations about like i guess one question i would have for you just maybe if you're willing to think about it is you know when you mentioned you know your schooling situation how did you how did you become a good writer how did you become a person who took this challenging you know start you know and then turned it into something where was that turn where did the, where did the, where, did, where did you get the where did you get on the right track the talent was always there it wasn't home um and but i had some people to care i had some people that cared to look out for me mm -hmm. so it, and it, it was it, you know of course it's this way it's a it's, uh, i didn't even know i was going to be on this path uh so i had when i was at, at street academy i was just all my friends were just the wrong kids to hang out with we were all were kind of the same fatherless homes and we were just trying to be rough and tough right mm. it's the 90s too so there's a lot of ignorance out there so and uh, uh so <clears throat> and then one of my teachers she entered me into some junior publishers program i wrote this thing she told me to write this essay and i didn't do a good job i know i didn't i purposely did not do well because i just wanted to get her off my back right so well i, I somehow got in and I know she rewrote my stuff. She was my English teacher. And uh, <laughs> so I got in and then started. I went to the junior publishers program, learned how about making books and uh, with, and with Foghorn Press at the time. I think they don't exist anymore. But we were on the mornings on tour and everything. And I was kind of like, oh, I like this. And went to L.A. My aunt, she, she was in the, in the movie business. And it didn't work out. It didn't, it didn't work out for 20 years. Let's just say mm -hmm. that, right? And... Um, then me and my business partner, we were doing music for a while and we decided to, I was like, I'm getting too old for this. I don't want to do it anymore. I don't like music. It's like, what do we do? And we decided to write a movie called Broken Rose. We wrote it. It took us a year to write it because we had jobs. I was working. He was working and we wrote it. And then we won. We, and then we had to figure out how to make it the money. So we had to save up our money. We filmed the movie. We had 30,000 of our own dollars to make this movie. And then it went to awards across the film festival circuit and we were able to parlay that into a a, a deal with a, a network called urban Flix, and we did a series based on one of the characters in the movie called broken seeds that's currently airing on our next tv nice. and then we start getting hired start, i'm starting to get hired from different projects i wrote a couple of movies i have four projects not even out yet it's like we just <laughs> did in the past six months moved to atlanta it's it an interesting thing but thinking about it that's I was able to channel these writings in there. And Broken Rose is a very, very heavy, sad film about human trafficking. But but then there's this one part of this one character that everyone, uh, all the, the network people were saying that it was it this heat map that they have, that the algorithm that says that people are really interested in this one character. So we wrote a series based on this one character. Mm. And it's really just a young black male and how he became in this position. And it's he has a mask if you think mm -hmm. about it. Right? How did he become who he was? And it's and it's really just how good intentions can lead people in the wrong place. It, and it's you know based out of Oakland, but the never you know the, the movie based out of Oakland. Of course, there's a lot of a couple of Oakland people in there, and yeah. those awards helped me get where we're at. And now it's like now we're able to now we start getting people to call us up and doing a lot of writing now, show running and. I have a couple of shows that we're currently still writing now. So, 
it's hard writing a TV show, but you know, but then I also took some of the elements from the music business and built my own writing team because in Georgia, they don't have a writer's, writer's group. Like LA and California, like the things I've learned is it takes a lot of things for granted in California that is not a, is, they don't have a writer's team. So I have, I have four writers who work under me yeah. and we just take out content as much as we can. Thank you. First of all, thank you for sharing the journey. I think, you know, sometimes when, when young people either listen to the show or like we talk to men from all over the world, but all from all backgrounds mm-hmm. and like, how did, like sometimes we miss the part where it's like, but then how did you jump? How did the jump happen? Right. Cause some of the young people are in yeah. the, in the, in the yeah. missy part. They're in the part that's all like mm-hmm. that. And you're like, yeah. Yeah. well, yeah. where, where are you? Like, what have you, what are you ignoring? What are the talents that you, that somebody tried to bring forward, but you resisted or like, how do you help young people begin to like, nurture their own brilliance right their own dopeness right and i i'm good at helping people bring out their dopeness i think that that's why i feel it so deeply in myself when i'm like not letting myself do that right but i i think it's the gift that god gave me to like see the good in people right mm-hmm. and and i think it's it's also my uh it's, it's it's the thing i have to work on the most right the thing that i'm really good at is my own medicine it's like i'm not even using my own medicine sometimes you know right 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 right, right. <laughs> yeah 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 it was it was a journey, man. It was, it was being a teenage father, and then, um, and then just I moved, and then I was just I was kind of just women and just all the things that you, I, I just all these things, just all these vices, and I was like I was never into drugs or anything. It's just I had I I, I partied a lot, and so it's like being in the lifestyle all the time. Yeah. And then I decided, and then it's like you get tired of it, and then I was trying to be a father at the same time, and then you you always think. I always knew that I had the greatness in me. That's the mm. thing. I never, I've never lacked self confidence. Yeah, I feel like I. That's one of the things. I feel like I can will myself to whatever I need to get done. Like even like we, like we were the point. We we had an investor. They dropped that investors. Don't take the toughest thing for any like getting people to give you money for your dream. Inve- getting investors is very tough. Yeah. And investors will. I've had investors at the last minute just drop out. So we just had to figure it out. And like just believing, and it's, and I think that's one of the toughest things believing that you can do it, and also taking that step. Very scary, especially when you have a family to look after, and you have a family to look over. You need, you need that family unit to say, you know what? If we fail, we fell in together. Because that's, that's where the finger pointing starts, right? So, yeah. and we fell, I fell for a minute, you know? So, my woman at the time, she, she had to believe in me. Carry me for a minute because all the money went into this movie. None of the other family, no family would give us money. So, so yeah. we and, she, and then so then and then at that same time, and I was very worried. And you talk about that. I had to never show that I was worried because people are looking at you for, to lead them out of this like this wilderness. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. the 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 moment of like, <laughs> I I think I know where I'm going. I think I know where I'm going. Just, I didn't like, know where we were like, gonna go. Were we were we already over here? Where where, where are we going? Right? You like we just circling back around. Like, oh and then, and then they're asking you, is it, it's gonna work out, right? And I'm like, yeah, it's gonna work out. You're trying to say as confidently as you can, yeah. you know. Yeah. Oh. I had no idea if we was gonna be successful. So man. Yeah. <laughs> congratulations on the on the journey on the journey right, right. and i think right. you now that have gone on that journey you get to help somebody else right you get to help you know mm-hmm. 
you can help me, right? I get to learn from you as a yeah. okay, I'm in, I'm in, I'm in the I'm in the messy part yeah. right now. How do I yeah, how do I get through this? Okay, we're gonna get through this. Stay the course. Don't don't give up. Yeah. Don't right, yeah. don't don't quit, right? You're 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 close, right? You're so close. Yeah. And if you you know, you like you just don't and I think that's the journey we we try and support young people with and understand, mm-hmm. you know. Mm-hmm. You know, um stay the course. Stay the course. As we get ready to close up, just what is a message you have, you know, you have for young people? Because I imagine there's young people there where you are mm-hmm. now, but mm-hmm. even like yeah. who are finding themselves in a tough spot. They may have be having some academic challenges. They may but no one's no one's actually you know enrolled them into a contest that helps them see that they actually yeah. have like mm-hmm. what would you what 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 one sentence, two sentences would you say to a young person who is just like, when is somebody going to come help me through this or or whether they're whatever they're looking for, but they they know that there's more, you know? It's kind of two. One thing I always love this quote by Winston Churchill said, if you're going through hell, keep going. Mm. You, you don't want to be there. Mm. Keep going forward. Uh, you stay the course. And also uh, keep on keeping on because believe it or not, there's always someone who's looking at you in a way that you don't even see yourself. You don't even see yourself. I didn't see that stuff in me. I didn't see anything in me. But someone seen something in me. And it's still to this day, there's people that believe in me that I don't even know why they believe in me. You know, I I, I mean, I can see it like, oh, yeah, I did this. But it's like, wow, you really, you know, it's like I question. It's like, you really believe that I'm that great? You know, so you keep on working on yourself. If it doesn't happen today, I've had 20 something year journey at trying to get to where I'm trying to go. I'm still not where I'm at. I need uh, where I want to be. So I'm, I'm happy. It's like, just keep on working on yourself, working on whatever you, whatever you feel like. I know a lot, I talk to a lot of young people and it's a lot of them. They don't know what they're good at. Like they don't know. They don't know. And I always think it's just like, just keep on because there's something in you and you may not find it until you're 40 something years old. You might not find it here 50. But then, because I look at it as, I look at my, I always go back to my grandfather, like my grandfather, he, I always feel like he was a failure until he was 41. And he had a failed junkyard, failed everything. You, you know, you're talking about in the, you know, the 50s and 60s, it was tough being a failure as a black man. He's already tough enough being a black man. And maybe he decided to become a, a police officer. He was one of the first San Francisco police officers that were black. And then he was able to, uh, be part of a landmark case that sued to get women and minorities. But that was his calling. His calling was to help. That was his calling. And at that point, and from there on, from there on, he's still alive. He's 90 something years old. But he, he didn't achieve any type of so called success till he was yeah. in his 40s. Yeah. And it's okay. It's okay to be a late bloomer. It's yeah. okay. That's the thing they have to worry about. Is the social media makes it seem like something. And I want to tell you right now, a lot of these very popular social media people you see, yeah. they're not doing as well as you think. That's something I do know. That's something I do know. I, I see it and I see that they are not doing as well as you think. Mm-hmm. Stay the course. Just stay the course. Keep on going. <laughs> brother, brother, I want to tell you, I... I think we're gonna have to make another episode at some point in the future. <laughs> yeah, I've n- I've never been to Atlanta, so I'm I'm gonna be coming one day, and and we're gonna do some workshops with some youth. We're gonna do some. Yeah, let's we're gonna do find it. a way. We're gonna find a way to. Oh yeah. To, to figure out how let's do, do we in- inspire, ignite the fire in in your neighborhood, you know. So, however, yeah. our work is trying to like inspire young people to be their their full selves, and so thank you mm-hmm. for 
being an example. Will you tell folks how they can find maybe maybe find your film, how they can get in touch with you? Um, what 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 projects you have that you want people to check out? Please let them know, and we'll put it in the show notes. Let them know. All right, you can follow me on Instagram, Tab Dangers Dad. So it's T A B like boy, D A N G E R S D A D, Dad. So Tab Dangers Dad on Instagram. You can follow my company, the Oakland Film Company, anywhere. Uh, the Broken Roads is on. Amazon, it's on uh, Tubi, wherever it's, uh, and, and also on Urban Flix TV. We have our Broken Seeds, a new series, a narrative series based on the Broken Rose. It's on Urban Flix TV. You can see it there. Uh, we do have uh, have a movie coming out this Christmas called What Lies Under the Tree that's coming to BET. I have uh, a movie coming that's called Squatters Rights. I just wrote, I literally just finished writing the sequel to it. For man Robinson, I, uh, I think that's going to Peacock. So, uh, uh, Squatters' Rights is this fun thriller, great action. Uh, Squatters' Rights, too. I don't know when that's going to come out, but like, there's a few projects, and there's a couple other projects I can't say because of the NDA. So, yeah, uh, but they're coming. And also, my cousin he writes for Netflix is uh, uh, uh Troy Dangerfield, and he, he, he writes on The Witcher. I just like to say that because there's not a lot of black writers in Hollywood. And he's writing on one of the biggest shows on Netflix, The Witcher. He writes on both The Witcher and The Witcher or Origins. Nice. All right. We'll, we'll, we'll share all these in the show notes, folks. Um, Tyrone, thank you, brother. Congratulations right, on you. where the journey's taking you. Uh, I look forward to connecting again. And thanks for being yeah. willing to share your mask with all of the folks out here today. Yeah. Thank you for having me. Yeah. Folks, look, Tyrone and I, we shared our mask publicly, but you don't have to do that. You can do you can do it anonymously at millionmask.org. Make your mask. And maybe if you feel inspired, share it with somebody you love or you care about or cares about you. And don't keep it to yourself. Stay the course. Don't give up. You got this. And there's more to you than anybody can see by looking at you. Tyrone, again, thanks for having Thanks for being with us today. And folks, thank, thank you. you for being a part of the Taking Off the Mask podcast. We'll see you soon. Bye now, everybody. All right. Bye-bye. Taking Off the Mask podcast is produced by Ryan Louie and graphics by Kelly Wong. Guests are managed by Dan Paloma, and the podcast is edited by Samuel Matingo. We'd like to thank everyone who's been a part of the creation of this podcast. And for every guest that's been a part of the show, you are now a part of the Taking Off the Mask family. The Taking Off the Mask podcast is brought to you by the Ever Forward Club. And if you like what you've heard today, please subscribe, write a five-star review, and share this with someone. We look forward to having more conversations that matter. And please remember, there is more to you than anybody can see by just looking at you.